Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. In today's episode, I speak with Simon Haig all about resilience. And it's such a huge area. We spend quite a long time talking about the different aspects within resilience. And we probably could have stayed talking all day. Um, Now, you might notice some issues with the sound as well. So there are a couple of issues with um, what I used to record the podcast. But hopefully it doesn't impact it too much. And I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Simon, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, it's great. It's great to talk to you, Aoife. And uh, yeah, so my name is uh, Simon Haig. um, And uh, we we met a a month or so ago at a a wonderful uh, uh, conference or workshop at Airfield Trust in Dublin. Um, I, I, I live here in Dublin. I'm originally from uh, the UK. I've, I've, I have a 25-year uh, career spanning five countries, um, a number of industries. I've been a, a senior uh, lawyer, private practice lawyer. I've, I've lived a kind of a rich life. I've, you know, I've been, I was the first in-house counsel for Dell here, legal counsel, uh, nearly 20 years ago. I was a CEO for an American company in Australia, um, where I lived for 10 years. Um, and uh, so about seven years ago, I set up my own consulting business, uh, GCM Advisory, which operates out of Australia here and here in Ireland and also the UK. Um, and really, my 25-year history, you know, great achievements. I've written, you know, three books. I've been endorsed by the world number one leadership thinker, Marshall Goldsmith. I've done amazing things. I've also had some personal, real personal lows and some tragedies in my life and with my family. And I guess in a nutshell, wrapping all that up together, I've kind of this year looked back on my life and realized that um, I've, I've had a bit of a blessed life. Um, and, and what really, really drives me and my passion is the, the whole concept of driving growth Um Within organizations, right, so driving growth, and then if you can imagine below that, there are four aspects to this, because you can't drive organizations without people, and people are required, and vice versa, really, you know, it's all wrapped up together. There are so many coaches and consultants who work in the, on organizations, and conversely, there are life coaches that work with people, but if you don't wrap it all up together into four areas of business, leadership, brand, and personal growth, I think you're kind of barking up the wrong tree, but that, that's just based upon, I guess, my rich background. So, And then just finally, underpinning all that, what I noticed in me this year, a bit of an epiphany at the age of 52, was that, you know, despite the highs and lows, what's brought me to an amazing place is the resilience that, that, I've, that I've had within me that I didn't even notice for 51 years that I was 52, you know. And, and I think resilience is the key for organizational and people and brand and leadership growth. So hopefully that wasn't too long, but uh, and I could talk for hours about all that, but that, was, that kind of wraps it up. So, so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think when we first met, we, we spoke about resilience. You shared um, quite a personal story during the, the workshop. Yeah. Um, so can we kind of drill into that a little bit more in terms of understanding the importance of resilience and I suppose the reason I'm coming at it from this perspective is um, because in my master's I'm learning about resilience and there's kind of two fashions like yes resilience is important but at the same time resilience is not about teaching people how how to be resilient for the sake of getting more work done from a company's perspective. So it's kind of finding that balance between the two things. Correct. So um, where do we start with this? It's such a massive subject. And and resilience, a bit like mindfulness, a bit like meditation, is a term that's being banded around more and more and more. Um, So you're right in that introduction, okay? A bit like... like, the skills of influencing, right? It's very, very hard to teach or negotiating or deal making. It's very, very hard to teach people to be good deal makers or negotiators or influencers or to be resilient. I, I don't think, I, I really don't think, looking back on my 26 year career, I really don't think that um, I could have t- been taught what I've now realized over 26 years on a course 
I think resilience is something that is so um, central to us as human beings that, you know, it's something that you have to pick up through the journey of life. And it's a bit like, you know, I, I, I love saying this, but it's a bit like, you know, when you make a decision based on your gut feeling, um, that's based on the, the many hundreds of thousands or millions of years of mankind. Mankind's been, or woman, man and womankind has been around for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. So when you make a gut feeling, your gut feeling decision is as old as that. Whereas if you make a decision based purely on your head, it, it, for me, it's only a 52-year-old thought process. So 95% of the time, when you make a decision based on your gut feeling, it tends to be more right because it's been stewed for, for a lot longer. So I'd like to use that analogy with, with resilience. Resilience really is something that's really deep to the mind, body, soul, and spirituality of human beings. But most of us, because of life moves so fast and because of distractions and sideswipes, we don't realize most of the time that we're practicing it or it's something that is available to us. So uh, does, that, does that kind of explain a little bit about what I think about resilience before I talk about what resilience is and the different types of resilience? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I really liked how you explained about the gut feeling and I never thought about it in that way, in that gut feeling is hundreds of, of thousands of years old, whereas, yeah, like yeah. you say, in, in your case, 52 years worth of head thinking and in my yeah. case, 40 years worth of head thinking. It's, you know, it... it um. <laughs> It, yeah, it, it makes you kind of it makes logical sense to me if I'm using my thinking brain. Um, yeah. you know, I really like that approach. And yeah, yeah, I'd love to to drill in more into how you see us as practicing resilience all the time when we probably are doing it without even realizing. Yeah. So, so for me, resilience, and there's millions of definitions of it, but really for me, it, it, it you know, we're human beings, right? Bobbling. Nobody. When we come into this world, nobody gives us any rules on how to live we, well first of all we don't even ask to come into the world right it, it happens to us right so we, we so we're sort of propelled into the world right then nobody really gives us any rules on how to on how to to cope with life right and for me that's what resilience is in in a nutshell it's about the capacity to cope with life right uh, and that's the same for individuals it's also the same for organizations if organizations don't cope with micro and macroeconomic aspects of life, they fail, you know? So it's, for me, resilience is about the capacity to cope with life. And as I said, nobody's taught this stuff. Nobody really tells us how to be parents. Nobody really teaches us how to live life, how to be aware, how to be self-aware. Um, and so it, it's no wonder that so many people, you know, flail, there's so much mental health issues in life. It, it's no wonder, conversely, that, you know, in a capitalist society, you know, so much money rises to the top at the expense of the general public. You know, it's a bit of a mess. It's mm -hmm. a bit of a mess out there. And it's a bit of a minefield. And it, and it is a rat race in a dog and eat dog environment. Having said all that, it, 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 having said all that, it's a wonderful world as well. I mean, the, the world, I mean, I strongly believe, you know, as I've kind of alluded to, you know, I've had some tragedies in my life. Uh, uh, I strongly believe, you know, there is a dark force and there is a light force in all of us. And, you know, I don't I don't really want to go on about Star Wars, but Star Wars <laughs> talks about the dark force and the light and, and the light force, you know. And, and, and I don't think that's coincidental. We all have the capacity to be good, to be evil, if we need to be, to be nasty, to kill. Um, we all have those capacities as human beings. But, but conversely and thankfully, I strongly believe that, you know, that the light force, that 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 love. Um, I'm not talking about God. Uh, I, I'm more of a spiritualist than, than than religious, and I'm not even talking talking really about spirituality at this point. I'm talking about the capacity to love uh, and be loved. That really is what underpins resilience. Uh, without feeling that, without having glimmers of hope around that stuff, I think it's really hard to really notice your own reserves of resilience. So it's for me, resilience is about the capacity to cope with life, how you manage your emo emotional behavioral response responses to to what life throws at you, and then and then I guess finally, and we can maybe drill into this a bit more. I've kind of broken it into three types of resilience. There's self resilience, which um, 
which which you really really need to successfully manage your own life without self resilience you know life can be tricky and then 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 secondly i talk about societal resilience what what you need you know we live in a world of other people so we have to interact in society and how do you do that and then finally life resilience um how do you deal with life itself i mean life can be really tough for some people um so 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 that's that's it for me it's about the capacity to cope with life and the three different types of resilience and it's a massive area and i, I just finished on this that you know a project that i'm starting to look at in fact i'm i'm taking a call straight after this is is maybe working with um schools um uh, we're in the process of maybe um forming a, a formal collaboration agreement with uh, an, an organization in northern ireland who connects school leavers to businesses um and we're looking at developing a program around these sort of life resilient skills for school leavers because nobody really teaches this stuff uh, and certainly not in the schools in the republic so anyway so that for me is in a nutshell brilliant yeah no that's a really great explanation and i like how you've divided it into the self resilience societal resilience and life resilience yeah we drill into those in, the, in a little bit more detail and kind of talk to me about yeah how you see those different those different elements yeah so so playing up front or I I haven't made any of this stuff up this is this is a result of me studying stuff reading stuff also lots of discussions doing conferences on this stuff and uh, uh and really this is just an amalgamation of what I've noticed through through the years and, and it's really the last couple of years that I've really got deeply uh, interested involved from an academic from a study perspective but also mainly driven by an epiphany that I had about March last year I met three amazing the last year and a half it's really opened my entire mind as to who I am where I want to go and for me you know the direction of my life so so that really is underpins what I'm about to talk about so the first area is self resilience um I like to sort of split that into four main areas so the type of self resilience is is and it's really important is self acceptance um i i i i personally i struggled most of my life with self acceptance i um i don't know about you Eva, but 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 i've i've often had a sort of an imposter syndrome through my life i i've had amazing jobs and amazing experiences but i've rarely felt that i deserved it you know and so for me self acceptance really is about being comfortable with yourself unconditionally rather than um and this is where I'm very cautious about the whole social media thing and I really worry about younger generations you know you know social media by even though it denies it, it it is a sort of a rating system you know and you know by having a third party rating system on whether you're you know whether you um, in terms of how you measure up as a human being I think that really really undermines the ability to be comfortable with yourself unconditionally. Um you know uh, for me self acceptance is about what you um it's about accepting you as you are separate from what you do if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um you know we every single human being on this planet even the ones who are rated have done some really seriously strong bad things every human being because we're human beings um has a value like we might have some people might have slightly more value society than others for obvious reasons but we all have a value and and and, and we're all equal from that perspective um uh, it's okay to judge yourself in terms of what you do but 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 you if are a human being 100% and a human being 100% as a human being you know so so but but I don't think most of us realize that the difference between who you rate yourself as who you are and what you do does that make sense Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, no, it's really interesting and I think that's something I'm learning more and more about myself. Like it's funny that you touched on imposter syndrome. That's something I've been talking about a lot recently and maybe we can come back to that later. Yeah. Um but the whole idea of accepting yourself exactly as you are unconditionally, I think it's something I'm I'm definitely realized that I have struggled with and it's it's something that I'm addressing now and it's like, it, like for me I try and achieve stuff and I take these big giant leaps to try and get things done and I tend to be busy all the time but I'm I'm 
trying to really dial it back now and be like, okay, what is it that I actually need for myself? Look after yeah. myself. Um, yeah. Put me as, as number one. Yeah. And, you know, and, and really pair it back to not being busy and and just, um, you know, kind of taking things as they are and practicing gratitude. You know, I have what I have. And I heard a great thing the other day about if you think about making it, then you're never going to make it because there's always going to be something that's out of reach, no matter how much how, how much success that you attain in life. There's always you're always going to be striving for something more. Absolutely. So being happy where you are and accepting yeah. what they are. Absolutely. There will always be somebody better looking than than, than us. There'll always be somebody smarter than us. Uh, some always be somebody richer than us. And so there's there's no point in calibrating yourself. Now we do because we're human beings and we're conditioned by hundreds of thousand years of. Uh, you know, the church putting judgment on us, society putting judgment on us. Uh, we human beings invented this thing called money. They all put, and, and now social media, they all put pressure on us. But um, the, the other thing to really, something that's really hit me this last year and a half is it's it's critically important to, um, the, the gap between when a stimulus hits you, when something, when you hear something, when you, when somebody says something to you that you don't like, right, that, that, that kind of attacks that self-acceptance zone, right, it's so, so important. And, you know, this sounds sort of spiritual into the realm of mindfulness, but, but I, I try to practice this stuff now, and I don't always succeed, but when a stimulus hits you, it's so important to give yourself space before you react. And, and I figured out that that gap between the stimulus and your reaction that's where sanity lies, right? That's mm. the, that that gap is where sanity lies, right? But most of us, because we just immediately react, we don't allow sanity to come into our lives. It's it sounds very formulaic and simple to say it, but um, and I think that's where that's why war happens. That's why you know things like Brexit are happening because I don't think people are really allowing that gap of sanity to sit there and to ponder and to really think. When you think about it, right, when you really look down on all of us, I had this conversation in a restaurant in London last week. I was sitting by myself and I was sitting next to um, an African-American woman and she was there on the training course. And we talked about all sorts of stuff. And I was saying, isn't it mad? Like, I mean, if you were an alien out there looking down on this planet, this is a tiny little rock, right, um, in the middle of nowhere. And there's seven billion and they're all fighting, judging. Um, getting one up on each other, feeling inadequate, not accepting themselves. Why? Nobody's telling us to behave like that. We just we just form that habit of being negative, you know. Yeah. So when you really think down on it all, and then you know, occasionally when I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps or I feel under pressure about something, I, I try to sort of stop and look down on myself and realize what have I really got to worry about? I'm sitting I'm sitting in a warm house in a safe country. I've got a loving family. Stop pushing yourself Simon you know so <laughs> it's just taking that time so that moment of the gap between the stimulus and reaction is so important yeah and is, is that about kind of asking yourself the, the reason behind it or the truth in what they're saying or you know how how do we kind of question what it is or how do we kind of overcome that we're human beings, so we are going to get hurt by stuff, right? But I think that and it's funny. I was lecturing yesterday. I, I one of the many things I do is I lecture on a Mondays uh, an American students from a company called IES Abroad, and we had this very con. And one of the students said, "Well, if something go at me in a negotiating meeting, of course I'm going to get angry and I'm going to respond." And I said, "Well, of course you're going to feel that way, but you've got to kind of try your hardest to let this settle inside you." and 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 it takes practice. It's not easy, but allow it to settle, and then and then allow yourself to to feel how you're feeling, right? And to and, and at the same time, allow yourself to think: Is it really worth reacting this way? Is it really worth? You know, we have a limited period on this planet. I was just listening to the radio then about a guy who's just come down with terminal cancer, and you know, he's he's kind of he's he's now living one day at a time, and he's having a great time because he's living one day at a time, you know. I think I don't have an easy answer for you, Aoife, but I think it's it's that living in the moment thing that really is critically important. And one thing, you know, I'm I'm a member of a bit of a spiritual program, and um, you know, keeping each 
imagine if you can imagine that every day, right? For me, I, I like to really practice this. Each day is an entire lifetime. So we, you know, you and I will go, we'll go to bed tonight. We go to sleep, right? We're semi-conscious. We're not unconscious, but we're semi-conscious, which is like being unconscious. And then tomorrow, we don't know what's happening to us when we're asleep. Tomorrow, we wake up and it's a brand new day. And if you try and keep all your issues in the day, it's amazing how that can just calm you down. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't have an immediate. And it's just, it's just, just processing this stuff and allowing it to settle and looking at the bigger picture and realizing that tomorrow doesn't actually. Um, yesterday was history tomorrow's a mystery and that's why today is a present or the present you know i've heard that one too. and it's so true it's so true tomorrow doesn't actually exist the past doesn't exist because it's gone yeah. all we have is now yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> no i'm i'm getting into that and i'm i'm trying to practice that a lot more recently as well and um, but what i'm taking from what you've said there Simon, and it's a great explanation like um is really if someone kind of or whatever it's about feeling those feelings and accepting that you have those feelings and we're human and we have feelings and sometimes our feelings Correct. get hurt but then we have the choice we can choose how to respond to those feelings that we have Correct. And, and it's about you know you get to decide do you want to sit here with resentment do you want to sit here with anger do you, you know how how are you actually going to respond to that um, exactly yeah. right so, I, so you, you, you've hit the two key terms well there's a third one the three reasons why pe people remain as addicts right the three main reasons for war the three main negative reasons in this world for all sorts of outcomes are fear anger and resentment right mm -hmm. uh, and but they're all three sides of the same which is ego, right? Yeah. Ego. When, when human beings feel that their ego is being dented, they go into fear, um, they go into anger. But resentment for me in my life has been a huge issue. And um, and resentment has, the flip side of resentment for me is I feel my ego is being dented, you know? And so, um, so I think, I, I think it's so important to be aware of that stuff and, um, and not, and not, beat yourself up when you feel like like somebody's attacking you but 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 at the end of the day right if you're carrying a resentment or if you're angry the person you're resentment to or angry to generally speaking has no idea you're carrying that resentment resentment can kill people yes. but it's a, it's a hundred percent in you the yes. your your bully doesn't know you're resentful right yes. so so um so but it's easy it's easier said than done to let it wash away uh, yes. but it if you notice it and you're aware of this, it does get easier to manage it. Yeah, isn't it like that saying where it's um, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die? Yeah, exactly the same the thing. Feelings you have are going to have an impact on them when they really have no idea how you feel because you haven't explained it, and you're just poisoning yourself by carrying the resentment, yeah. anger, or the fear, whatever it is. Yeah. The, the the other side of this, just quickly before I move on to to, to the other one, the other uh, types of uh, self acceptances, it's really important that um, uh, that you 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 allow it. As I said, you allow it to sit, um, and and you don't beat yourself up about this stuff, and and you move on as quickly as possible, and you give your permission, you give yourself permission to move on to the next nice thing. You know, there's no point in in beating yourself up. And if you've made a mistake and if you have reacted badly, you know, just accept that you're a human being and that and that you do make mistakes. But because I think a lot of people, you know, for example, people who come out of recovery programs and they slip and they beat themselves up and they find it very hard to get back in. You're human beings. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really uh, so that's self-acceptance. The yeah. second area then is self and situational awareness. And and this is something that, uh, I'll give you one example of this. I, I said to my, I have two daughters, one's nearly 21, one's nearly 19. And recently I said to one of them, and I don't know where the words came from, but I said to her over dinner one, um, Alice, who would, you, who would you like to be, right? Not what would you like to be, who would you like to be? And... And she didn't really know how to respond. And I don't know why I asked the question, but it made me reflect and it made me look into this whole area that nobody, nobody gives us the skills to try and figure out 
who we want to be, right? We, we talk about what do we want to do, how much do we want to earn, what sort of marks we want to get at school and university, but not who we want to be. And so that, that for me, that question of who do you want to be underpins the whole area of self and situational awareness. So, you know, self-awareness is having a clear view of what makes you, what makes you, basically, your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, behaviours. Like I'm at 52, I'm starting to realise that even though I've had a 25-year career in court, in the corporate world as a consultant, et cetera, et cetera, what really, really, really excites me and motivates me is the stuff you're talking about, Aoife, is the connecting with people is, is without preaching, it's um, sort of, you know, it's, it's passing on some of the things that I've learned to hopefully make life easier for others, right? I'm not an angel. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a philanthropist. But I just get a real kick out of um, passing on some shortcuts around this stuff to the younger generation in particular, so that they, they, they're aware of some of the skills of resilience. Whether they're taken on board or not is up to them. So, so that self-awareness is really critically important. And then the flip side of that is situational awareness, comprehending what's going on around you. Um, so much of us, so many of us are just sleepwalking through life and um, and not, you know, when you walk in a room, so many of us don't realize what's happening in the room, who's talking to who, where, where, you know, whether you're in the right place, in the right job, um, what alternatives there are out there. So forming the ability to be more self and situationally aware, I think, really allows you to live more, much more fully in the present and also seize the opportunities of life. Because so many opportunities out there, um, for whatever constraints, human beings just don't seem to really fully maximize the flip sides of this coin of self and situational awareness. Does, does that resonate as well? Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose the what I'm hearing from is that we have unlimited potential and we get to decide who we are as people. So it's about who you are, not what you are. But then Absolutely. think about the situation that you find yourself in. You also have a choice. And there is potential to do something else. There is potential to change that situation. But, I mean, to me, self-awareness, I'm learning more and more that self-awareness is really critical for any form of leadership, including leading how you live your own life. Um, it is about building an understanding of who, who you are as a person and yeah. what makes you different to other people because that's really how we can add value to other people is understanding how how we're different from others and um, what we can teach to other people legacy that can leave uh, absolutely I'll, I'll give you one example in my life i mean four years ago as i said i've always had this imposter it's funny I, last week i was in london right and uh, for, for a week of work and i i walked chose to walk back from my place of work in the city of london West London, it was a two-hour walk, and I really enjoyed it. And I walked past St. Paul's Cathedral, right? And and it, it, it sent a shiver down my spine. 26 years, 28 years ago, when I started as a article clerk solicitor in one of the top five law firms, right? And, well, it was 93, 90, September the 5th, 1993. And I was so terrified because I got my A-levels at school were great, but I didn't come from a legal background. I was the first person in my family to go to university. So I had zero confidence going to work for this big, one of the top five law firms. And I remember sitting on a bench, right? So as I was walking the other, the other day, I looked over. And those years ago, I sat on a bench at 8.50 and I had my best friend come and sit with me, my school friend, to give me the Dutch courage to go in and start the first day in work. Now, I, I don't think I've ever shared that on the airwaves ever. I don't think I've really mentioned that to many people, but I I very, very didn't go into that place you know I was so terrified and it was just curious that I that I was aware of that last week I was very I could, I could almost see the little you know it was basically a boy a very young man sitting on that bench terrified yeah um, so um and I guess what I was so to, to move forward right so four years ago uh, after a lifetime of ups and downs I was lucky enough to write a book uh, on deal making, and I I thought, well, hang on, nobody knows me. I'm not famous. I, I I need to find out somebody famous to write the to this book. So I went onto LinkedIn, and um, 
I looked through the Richard Bransons of this world, and I came across this guy, Marshall Goldsmith. And he, he turns out to be the world's number one leadership thinker and, um, and written amazing books and does major summits around the world. He was the keynote at the Pendulum Summit last year. And yeah. I met with him, and to cut, to cut a long, long story short, years later, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, he's recorded a video endorsing me, like my work, you know, and and that really was a massive, this was in January this year, a massive epiphany for me that, you know, that young boy, that young boy, that young man who was always terrified of his place in the world, all just self-inflicted fear, you know, fear, they, they give a definition for fear as it's false evidence actually realized, you know, we can actually manifest fear in our head and make it real you know so uh, hopefully that kind of describes the madness the ridiculousness of fear i mean of course we have a natural instinct for fear you know because we need to run away from saber tooth tigers and stuff but yeah most, yeah but, but most of it is false evidence actually realized yeah First two, self-acceptance, self and situational awareness. And then the, the next two, maybe I'll just go through very quickly uh, before moving on to societal resilience. Dealing with anxiety would be the third, self-resilience. Um, you know, if we don't manage it properly, it can really take control and really damage our health uh, in, in terrible ways, which we all know about. Uh, and, and then the fourth would be dealing with ambiguity. Everything in life if we want it to be, or allow it to be, has more than one mean, meaning, and we can allow ourselves to be confused. I, I don't know about, we, we had this discussion just before this call, that there's so much that we can learn, you know, when, when you get clear-headed and you and, and you see the path in life for you, for you, there's so many courses to take, there's so many books to read, you know, you go into your local bookstore, and, you know, I love reading uh, self-help and non-fiction books and I, I just get overwhelmed because I'd like to walk out with a hundred each time you know uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so so dealing with ambiguity is a massive issue for, I struggle with it uh, how do you feel about that yeah no I totally totally can relate I'm big into the self-help personal development and business type of books the non-fiction and it's kind of nearly a challenge now to find some fiction to read before I go to sleep because I, I read before I go to bed every evening. Yeah. Um, but I read 54 books last year, can you believe? 54, yeah. 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 It, wow. I, can, I can kind of hardly believe it myself. And this year I set myself a challenge to read 52 books because I thought one a week, you know, I, I can do similar to last year. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm on about 26 books I think at the moment but that includes really long things like I read Game of Thrones for the first time and yeah. um, there is another I Am Pilgrim which is super long as well like there's a few books that were really long which I would count as four books yeah. <laughs> versus yeah. count. Um, but I know exactly what you mean I have in my to be read pile they call it the TBR pile I have so many books and I even have physical books that I've bought that I still haven't read yet and yeah. It does, it becomes overwhelming, and it's but it kind of boils back down to just choose one, there's no right answer, just choose one, read, yeah. No, I, next I, one, absolutely. No I, think the, I think the key is to accept that life is uncertain, of course, it's uncertain. We have very little control over life, and at the end of the day, you know, the uncertain, the only certainty, as we know, is is, is, is birth and death, right? Everything yeah. between we think we control stuff, of course, we can make our own luck. But, but yeah, except that life is uncertain, and, and I, I, I do believe that it, you're more likely to, 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 to develop resilience if you take that approach. Yeah. So, so that's self-resilience. And then would you like me just to go, I, I go quicker around societal resilience? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So when I, when I talk about societal resilience, really it's about how we interact in the world. So the first area would be reading, communication, and trust-building cues. Nobody really teaches us how to uh, communicate, how to read communication cues. We read books. Most of us can read books who are fortunate enough can read and write. Uh, but 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 ninety percent, ninety percent between ninety and ninety five, between ninety and ninety five percent is nonverbal communication out there, the body language, etc. Um, etc. Et and nobody really teaches us that, that stuff. So. Um, so I think, you know, uh, it, it, but one, one I suppose, thing to say on that is getting others to be comfortable in talking about themselves 
through showing genuine interest in them is a real key to unlocking communication for yourself. I think that's because people love talking about themselves. Yeah. Uh, so I think that for me has been something I've learned. And I, I think I've had an inherent ability to do that, probably born out of insecurity. But when we first met 20 or 22 years ago, she said, when we first met on our first date, you kept asking me questions. And, and she thought I was, I was probing, right? Yeah. Being a bit, or being a bit rude. I was doing that, A, out of nervousness, because I'm genuinely interested in other people. So I've been lucky to have that ability. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's really important to show interest in other people. Now, some people are going to brush you off, but you just move on to the next person, you know? So, uh, so that's communication and trust building. The next one aligned to that is questioning and listening. You know, Tony Robbins um, talks about successful people ask better questions and as a result, they get better answers, which is so true. I mean, I, I, mean, I say this to the classes that I give. If there's no such thing, unless you ask the same question many times, there's no such thing as a dumb question. I, I find the smartest people ask the questions. And yet, I think in our culture, particularly in the U.S., less so in the U.S., um, you kind of, if you're the smart-ass kid and I'm the class asking questions, you kind of feel like you're, 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 you're stepping above the parapet. Yeah. Um, but so, so I think that's really important. The, the, the third aspect of this is influencing. Um, influencing other people is so important. And that's not persuading, right? That's persuading can have negative undertones, but having a, a clear vision of who you are. So building on everything we've discussed, accepting who you are, understanding your situational uh, position, uh, accepting that life is, in, uh, is uncertain, having a clear vision. I'm finding you'll be amazed that then people can start getting attracted to you in terms of your vision. And that's happened to me, you know, for, for a couple of years when I came back from Australia, I was really pushing my business and stuff I was doing around deal making and, and, and negotiating and leadership skills. And I was getting frustrated that I wasn't getting the feedback or the business engagement that I deserved. So I sort of took the, my foot off the pedal a little bit at the beginning of this year. And lo and behold, I'm getting, you know, this year for the first time in my life, I've been a keynote speaker in a major conference. This year, for the first time in my life, I was approached a cold sell to end up, you know, trading program for an American company. And I don't think it's coincidence. Once you start accepting this stuff and influencing people through your vision rather than push, 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 people are attracted to you. It takes yeah, guts. Yeah. It takes guts to do that, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the funny thing is, I'm still relatively new in terms of running my own business, but I did find when I kind of clarified the message that I was putting out there, people started coming to me rather than the other way around. Exactly. Um, which has exactly. been great. Exactly. Exactly. Human beings aren't silly. We can see, you know, for example, here in Dublin, you know, there are so many coaches, consultants, mentors, and it's confusing for people because most of them are very good. Okay. So for you to be engaged, you need to be, you need to be authentic. You need to have something that you can offer. And I think strongly, really strongly, if you seem to be desperate or too, that pushes you know, none of us, we, we all have the sense of the used car salesman of the cold. <laughs> yeah. it, it pushes all of us against it, naturally, yeah. you know. So so that's that. And then finally, you know, on, on societal uh, resilience is meaningful relationships and setting boundaries, which which is common sense. I felt like I had meaningful relationships, but I was, when I started learning about boundaries and what they are, I realized that maybe my boundaries weren't as clear as what they should be or I weren't even really defined by me properly, uh, and they certainly weren't communicated. So it, 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 is, I'm glad you stopped me on this because this was a point. This was a point I was going to mention earlier, and you probably noticed I, I was kind of stumbling a little bit about ten minutes ago because not what I was going to say. But but this is really important that the whole area of toxic people, right? So uh, and and so I've always suffered from this in my life. I've always been. I've always found myself. I'm naturally a people pleaser. I've always been a people pleaser. I think it goes right back to split parents and not really knowing who I was and uh, just formed this ability to take sides to please everybody. And and so I, 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 you know, I've been involved in a failed business because I didn't stand up for myself. And one thing I've really picked up, and you know, I, I you know, I, I need to mention a, an amazing guy in Dublin called Justin Caffrey who 
who does work in this space and has worked for me and he's, he's, he's had his own life experiences and he's kind of come through and he's helping elite. He's elite. He's an elite mind coach, basically. And what he says is that in relation to toxic people and boundaries, you, you basically we become who we tolerate. Right. Okay. That for me, I that before until he mentioned it, but I'll never forget that we become who we tolerate. And, and that for me sums it up. Um, if you want to become a toxic, if you if you're hanging out with toxic people, you're going to become toxic. You know, there's going to be elements of you that are toxic, and um, and so sometimes you just have to say no to people. And um, it's funny, he's just sent me a WhatsApp text as I'm talking, so there's the higher powers listening to us. Yeah, so we become we become who we tolerate. Does that does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it'd be good to drill into if you have any topics how to understand what your boundaries are and how to establish good boundaries with people. Well, so I'd start by saying that the closer you get to knowing the intentions or, or trying to figure out the intentions and assumptions of the other party, um, you're more like, or the other person, you're more likely to ultimately um, steer the right direction. Okay, so uh, that, that doesn't mean that whenever you meet somebody, you have to be a psychologist and try and figure out. But um, for me, I'm, I was always self-driven, right? And I, I never really, really thought about, you know, when you talk to somebody else, you, you never know what is in somebody else's head. I mean, it's, it's hard enough knowing what's in your own head a lot of the time. So, so if you can try through various means to figure out what is the intentions of the other side or their assumptions. I think that goes a long way. This is a massive area. <laughs> um, and, but, but if you can really work on that, you know, and, you know, that means putting in, putting in work. What it definitely does mean is not rushing into, into relation. One thing, one thing I've done this last, just this last year, right, and I've spoken to a few people about it, is that, you know, I've gone into businesses in the past because I've been flattered or I've wanted to go into because I haven't had enough confidence in myself, blah, blah, blah. And so now I try my hardest to practice three things, right? When I meet somebody, I say to myself, and this might sound a little bit formulaic, but it protects me. I, I say to myself, A, do I respect this person? So is this person any good at what they do? And if, if they are yeah. and not, then that's the end of it, right? If, if yeah. I do, then I go on to the second one which is, do I trust this person, right? As much as you can trust anybody, right? And, yeah. and for me, if I respect them, then I like to think I'll trust them until I have reason not to trust them. So I pass those first two gates, even if I pass those first two gates, if I don't, and this is the hardest one for me to practice and people please, if I don't like them, right? Do I like them? This is the third thing. Uh, so I, you know, this person could be the, the biggest genius on planet Earth. I have no reason to distrust them, but if I don't like them in my gut, I yeah. shouldn't collaborate with them. Yeah. And, and I've, I've only figured that out this year, and I've made that mistake all my life. I've trusted, respected, haven't really liked, and it's nearly always backfired on me. Okay. Does, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's something <laughs> you didn't quite mention, but... It's the communication element of it as well. So if you're saying the intentions and the assumptions of the other person, it's really about being able to communicate what your intentions are and understanding, you know, as much as they communicate their own as well. Uh, absolutely. So uh, the more likely, you're more likely to succeed if you operate through relationships built upon mutual trust. You only do that if you're communicating as well. Yeah. So, uh, so being self-aware enough to protect your well-being you know, by setting your own personal boundaries um, it is so, so important. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I think this is so important for school leaders and school kids. And yet, unfortunately, nobody really teaches this stuff. Nobody really even just lays the framework for this stuff. Yeah. Well, if I look back, if somebody had taken me through this, you know, this resilient stuff as a kid, I probably would have pushed against it and thought that's not for me. But I guarantee I would have reflected on it as the years went by. Exactly, yeah. It's funny. it's funny those things that you think, oh, no. And then you kind of reflect on it a few years later and you realize, oh, actually, someone was yeah. just trying to help me by saying that. Or, yeah. you know, I read that when I had the chance or whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so so that's self and societal resilience, and then the third one is life resilience, which yeah. you know includes work-life balance, dealing with conflict, stress management, and then having the confidence to make the right decisions. But the life resilience, those four areas, out of self and societal resilience. So yeah, hopefully, you know what you've seen from this is that resilience is a massive area. It cut it cuts across all aspects of a life, and yet. We don't really drill into it, you know, and uh, and yet it's so impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so important, I think. Yeah. So uh, anyway, hopefully that was, that's just been a flavor of my journey. And, and, and resilience is just sort of self-awareness around resilience is really touching my life. And um, uh, I guess the key, the key for me is just that, the self-awareness is the key thing um, and having the ability, you know, I, I keep talking about, you know, addiction programs, but, but, you know, programs like AA and NA and all these programs are amazing programs because and they use three central tenets. And maybe I'll finish on this is that um, you can only really, truly have a spiritual free life if you are, these are the three things, willing, open-mindedness, willing open-minded and honest but above all honest right so yeah. willingness open-minded this is these, for me these are the keys for a good life willingness open-mindedness and honest and um, uh, but really honesty is the key and when i say honesty it's not just honesty with other people right it's above all else is honesty with yourself yeah if you, if that's critical but it's so easy just to fudge that you know <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah, we agree. Like, yeah, I'm just thinking, about, you know, rather, and like you say, if you have a history of being a people pleaser, you're trying to please other people, but you, you're kind of I mean, keeping yourself busy rather than asking yourself, well, what, what it is that I really need? And yeah. being able to be honest with yourself and, and you might know, and this is me all the time, I might know cognitively what it is that I need to do, yeah. but I find reasons or ways or, to not do it because I'm, I'm too busy or... Yeah. I got distracted or something like that and it, it's really it's um it's me not putting myself first and me not knowing what I need to do for myself but actually just not doing it not carrying through on it it's so easy to flow in the wind like a, you know a, you know a sheet of barley and then accept the next flattering collaboration offer or the next cup of coffee conversation but but is that really what's going to benefit you today bearing in mind today is your entire life you know, yeah that, that's yeah, yeah. focus like that Having said all this, I'm not a guru. <laughs> I make mistakes every day. That's it, and it's accepting that everyone's on a on a journey, and everyone's on a learning journey, and you learn all the time. And you know, it's it it's kind of like that thing with success, isn't it? Like you think, oh, there's going to be a point in time where I can I can say that I'm successful. I've reached a level of success that I'm. But there's all you're always kind of looking into the future, so. You know, I but when I get to this level, I want to get to that next level. But there's never going to be a time where you're kind of sitting there going, "Yeah, now I've made it." I, I, it's funny. A friend of mine who is a, an abbot at Unorcia Monastery, north of Perth in West Australia, encapsulated it for me. Amazing guy who became a friend, and he said, "You know, we 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 all the key is to strive for progress, not for perfection." Right? Uh, yeah. Just, and, and so even on your deathbed, right, in terms of did I try my hardest through my life? Did I really try my, did I try to do my best? And that, I think, is the key to life is did I yeah. really try my best, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're going to make mistakes, but I, did I, despite that, did I try my best? Yeah. I think that's the key. I think that's the key. <laughs> yeah. So, Simon, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Uh, okay, so what makes me happy at work? Well, so, okay, number one, in terms of other people, I avoiding toxic people as, as much as I can, you know, not really enforcing my own boundaries about not falling into the trap of spending time with people who are just not going to be good for me. That's so important, and I, I, I try my hardest to do that. And, and, and secondly, to really do stuff 
that fulfills me is not to waste my time as much as I can not waste my time. I still have to manage my accounts and all that stuff, which I hate doing, but it's doing stuff that really is developing. I love developing new material, you know, uh, yeah. around uh, around the driving. I, I love writing. I've written three books. I'd like to keep writing books. I love writing articles. I love together presentations. I love, uh, you know, I, I love doing that stuff. So it's, it's really creating new material and then I guess above all else, it's it's influencing others to see the value of what I'm talking about. So avoiding toxic people and and sort of creating a vision for for people to think. Brilliant. Yeah. And if people want to find out more about resilience, if they want to find out more about what it is that you do, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Simon Haig, H-A-I-G-H. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Alternatively, although my website is in the process of being completely overhauled, but my website is Simon Haig, H-A-I-G-H dot com. I think they're the, 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 the two best ways to approach me. LinkedIn's probably the easiest. Yeah, brilliant. That's yeah. great. Thanks yeah. much for your time today. I really, really enjoy the chat. I could probably Likewise. stay chatting <laughs> for a long, long time. So oh, thanks. Know. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and have you on. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Eva. That was Simon Haig speaking all about resilience and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I certainly learned an awful lot about resilience. So I wanted to summarise exactly what was said. Um, Simon mentioned that it's the capacity to cope with life generally and how you manage your emotional and behavioural responses and broke it down into three specific areas of self-resilience, societal resilience and life resilience. And the main area that we focused on really was the self-resilience. So it's about self-acceptance and telling yourself that you deserve the achievements that you have, accepting yourself really as you are unconditionally and not defining yourself by what it is that you do. And it's about feeling the feelings that you have. So whether it's fear or anger or resentment, that could be your ego kind of speaking up. But it's about feeling those, thinking about it, processing the feelings and choosing how you want to respond. And it's about living in the moment, kind of going back to, to what Stephen Downey had spoken about previously, thinking about the your self and situational awareness as well. So it's more about who would you like to be and thinking about the who, you know, what kind of a person am I rather than, again, rather than defining yourself by what it is that you do. Oftentimes our fear is self-inflicted. So bearing that in mind as well. He spoke about being a people pleaser and not really standing up for yourself. In creating meaningful relationships is about setting clear boundaries. So knowing what those boundaries are to begin with. And I loved what he said about we become who we tolerate. That's a really, really key thing that I took away from this and I just wanted to finish on this so not not about rushing into relationships so do I respect this person do I trust this person and do I like this person so you know listening to your gut uh, and the the idea that the gut reaction is based on hundreds of thousands of years of you know human evolution rather than just uh, you know using your your thinking around it as well I really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I'd love to hear any feedback you have, any questions you have. If there's anything that you would like to hear on the podcast, I would love to know about it. You can reach out to me on empowermentcoaching.ie. I've also set up a Facebook group called Happier at Work. So just search that through Facebook and I hope to see you there. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.